Do you pride yourself on finding the best deals and savings? Yes, it's me. I'm raising my hand. Rakuten is the smartest way to save money when you shop. Get cash back at over 3,500 stores across every single category, including fashion, beauty, home essentials, travel, dining, and so much more. Shop brands like Macy's, Adidas, YSL Beauty, Samsung Petco, just to name a few. Plus, membership is free and it's easy to sign up. Cashback rates change daily. Here's how it works. Stores pay Rakuten a commission for sending them shoppers, and then Rakuten shares a commission with its members via check or PayPal quarterly. And you better believe how exciting it is when your PayPal alerts you that you've gotten money. It's no wonder Rakuten has 17 million members who are already saving. Start all your shopping at Rakuten.com. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N.com. Or get the Rakuten app to start saving today. Your cashback really adds up. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hi, Hi, Christine. Miss you. I miss you. The vibes are off today for me. I I know. Are you all right? You look so colorful. I I think I'm trying to manifest brightness in my in my day with well, my you're colors. not doing a great job with your attitude not attitude i didn't mean that sounded really bad no meant- my attitude is very lethargic i just mean lethargic today. right not an attitude in a bad way just you seem kind of i don't know out. i don't know what i don't know why i think i hmm i don't know what's going on i th- i'm just kind of in a bleh mood in a funk i guess oh well i'm sorry to hear that are you missing your beautiful girlfriend is that why um (laughs) are you missing me is that why that's what it is yeah no I actually I was what's so funny is as we were talking I don't know so Christine and I and Eva were having a meeting before we recorded I don't know if you noticed but I pulled this out of the out of my stand I'm my laptop is on top of a million boxes right now and before Allison left, I had been telling her for a while that like I wanted more like notes around the apartment and stuff like that. Like I want like something cutesy and like I I we have a good friend, Bethany Watson, who is one of the co-hosts of an acquired taste. And one of her love languages is like really creepy um love notes to her partner. And I always think they're so oh. funny. They're like like they just say I'll like wear seven your days. Oh. Yeah. No, <laughs> one of them just said like seven days. One of them was like Oh, how mysterious life can be. <laughs> it was oh my like God. <laughs> very creepy. But I was like, man, that like really like gets my serotonin going. So I was telling Allison about it and I was like, oh, I kind of wish that there were some like, you know, little notes around the house for me and stuff. And so before she left, by the way, Allison is gone for like literally two months. We're not seeing each other. And she left a bunch of notes around and I'm like still finding them. Tell me what they say, please. One of them was, uh, it, it's on the fridge already, but it's, oh, the note said, if I were Bethany, these would all be death threats. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually really funny. And then this one, there have been a few of these, which are currently my favorite ones. Uh, it says, time for a Starbucks treat. Text me and I'll Venmo you. Oh, that's nice. That's not creepy. No, that one's nice. I'm into it, especially because I get a treat out of it. But because we're on completely different time zones right now, she's asleep. So I can't text her for Starbucks. Oh, so. bummer. <laughs> kind of backwards but anyway i just saw that and that actually 
made me feel a little better. So um, I do miss the Stinky Witch. I wanted to um, show you something I thought you might appreciate, too, while we're here, Excellent. is that um, in the mail today, I got my new SPR journal. <gasps> Um, because they, yes. they're supposed to come every quarter, but because I'm not in London, I get mine severely delayed. <laughs> so this is from 2021. Um, <laughs> and it came today and it came today. Okay. Wait, tell everybody who doesn't know what, what the SPR is. Oh, okay. So, um, it's the, uh, society for psychical research and people like Harry Price, or I don't know if Harry Price was in it, but, um, Arthur Conan Doyle was in it. Uh, they hated Harry Houdini. Um, it's, it's been a, a longstanding, uh, I guess the proper way I would say it's like a research lab or a research co-op where they, um, look into supernatural things and scientifically try to either debunk them or, or see how true to nature they are. I remember so, the first time you brought up the SPR. I do too. And I, I think that night I joined, but do you remember, <laughs> do you remember when it was? Uh, yeah, I called it the like physical research or something, something <laughs> stupid. I remember we were sitting in Los Feliz and you were like, you kept saying the Society for Cyclical Research. And cyclical, I was like, that's what I it was. Cyclical, what do you mean? And I like could not figure out what you were talking about. The worst and- part is my my brain translated it to psychical or, or it was my my brain cannot get those two words to sound different anyway so. you've, uh, you said it right every other time but i remember being like what is that uh, anyway and then <laughs> and then you joined it and then immediately we're like it's called psychical so yeah i my brain cannot uh detach it from cyc- cyclical sometimes i still catch myself saying it for no reason but anyway one of the benefits is that they always send you journals of the things that they're currently researching how cool um, is that by the way and so i originally joined because i was like oh this gives me good potential future content for the show because if i see what the spr is up to it might you know jog totally uh, some new ideas so something i have to look up right now is i guess they're doing uh work on a lab called an implicit and explicit assessment of morphic resonance and oh, i sure 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 i don't know what that is yeah another thing is the static dynamic model of religious levitation oh, <laughs> oh. What? and then they also do like book reviews and things like that so um for like for different paranormal books so anyway it's i thought uh, you might hello do they want to enjoy seeing one book review of a little something i like to call a haunted road atlas <laughs> i will let you know these titles um seem a little more shishi than our haunted road atlas oh you think the the levit this i i literally can't remember one word of the things you just said i'm trying to say, like levitate is the only thing i remember i the, actually said cyclical a bunch of times so say you might that, have that's the, word. the way my brain is processing this you may have uh because that was a lot a lot of terminology thrown around actually you know we're just talking about. about that made me feel better so thank oh, you good. well i my, have i have an idea which my spirits are high what's that oh good well that's what we like to hear um and I wanted to throw out that this might actually be a good little recurring segment we could do for our new thing we're doing. I just want to take a minute to apologize to Patreon because I feel like we've hinted at this, but I feel like we've dropped the ball a bit and it's not necessarily like, like entirely. Yeah. And I feel like we promised a lot of things and it's always ends up falling by the wayside when 
shit gets crazy and we're trying as always trying to find ways to to make sure we get content to you and i know some people were not pleased on you know reddit and stuff so we're we're trying to fix it um and uh, yeah. part of the reason was not a- anybody's fault because m uh got like banned from instagram so a lot of that got totally <laughs> thrown out the window well, at also that moment. i would say we were doing pretty solid until the tour came about and we just got really busy so right I, which is like the endless excuse of course but i know but i i do think it was it was certainly not intentional for us to fall off i think we just got caught up in finally being able to be outdoors and traveling and it just it quickly flew right past us well and we had this great intention with these close friends and then all of a sudden instagram lets you add like 100 people at a time and we had like I think I still have 6,000 people to add. And it was like, yeah. sorry, you've reached your limit for like three days, 72 hours. And I'm like, well, what's the point of adding 100 people every 72 hours? I'm never going to get there. And so it just ended up dr- anyway. The point being here is not to complain or make excuses, but we're trying. Eva was, of course, as always, the genius, the brains behind the operation who came up with, well, the brains, beauty and brawn behind the operation. Oh, sure. Right. We'll Triple just threat. give it all yeah triple threat um but she came up with the idea of doing like a little bonus segment every time we record so that we don't forget to do extra content so we already did one um and you're just little they're just little like after bites of uh us hanging out they're just little uh snippets i guess we talk about in the first one i already forget i don't tattoos fonts Oh, fun. Both both of those things. It's just it's just like five or 10 minutes of us just kind of like talking outside of paranormal and true crime stuff and just more an insight into like our friendship conversations. They're like, Like, isn't that what we get every freaking episode? But yes, yeah. But shockingly, we try to censor ourselves uh, for this show. And so and so at the I guess behind the scenes is not that it's like the dark gritty side of our friendship. It but might it's be. Like the, I mean, we, yell, Who knows? we did yell a lot about fonts. It's, it's more of a, uh, shockingly somehow more scatterbrain than this, but it's us it just is. kind of free associating. If you will, it really feels so. like we're just free associating, but it was really fun to record. It ended up being like 15 minutes and we talked about all sorts of stuff. And I think Eva even had the idea, like if we go out of town somewhere, then we can come back and do like a, hey, guess what weird shit happened while we were traveling that mm-hmm. we don't have time to talk about on the podcast. So we're trying to do that. And this is not, again, a call to be like, go back on Patreon. This is just kind of a shout out to people who have been patrons, especially, and have been sticking with us, even though we kind of dropped the ball. And we're sorry, yes. but here's our here's our new plan. <laughs> here's, here's a try. Here's a try at it. <laughs> uh, why do you drink this week, Christine? Oh, well... I'm like sad and I it's why well it's I feel like this is I'm going to be a little I've been debating whether or not to talk about this I always knew I would because I can't shut up but it's it's about um being a parent uh and I'm a little bit sad about it but it's something I think a lot of people can relate to which is why I figure I'll talk about it which is that I think I'm stopping breastfeeding and you know it's it's something probably some people do not want to hear about but whatever it's a normal thing that a lot of people do so get over it um <laughs> or skip ahead and forget no, I love you. get over it <laughs> get just over it <laughs> grow up breastfeeding is a thing it's normal right okay but so anyway with all the traveling and stuff it's been really hard and and now she's learned that uh bottles are so much easier and I think um we've gotten to a point where I'm like it doesn't really make sense for me to constantly be like pumping every four hours and traveling with it and 
it's just been a lot and um she's been doing really well on her formula like a combo of both for a little a few weeks and i think we're just gonna you know switch to she's already it's almost seven months old and is starting to eat like real food so is this is that a normal whatever normal means time for breastfeeding to end so i guess the who recommends the first year um and some organizations recommend the first two years Um, i think it's not common for people to go all that way some people do and even further on and it's there's just such a wide i think you know your baby best yeah exactly and i think um if it had been easier and I was around much more frequently and not working and having blaze. I mean, it is nice that blaze can, and my mom or whoever can feed her without a whole sort of process, but it's a little bit sad. And I don't think I ever thought I would be sad about that, but there's something kind of like, Oh, you're losing. Like it it feels to me a little bit like I'm losing like a little connection or a little, you know, it's the first like kind of grieving thing. Like I'm putting this part of, your babyhood behind us she's she's graduating yeah so anyway it's just making me a little bit teary-eyed this week but i'm i'm okay but again now i can drink because you know have you not been able to drink this whole time because of that too oh no i've just been really strategic oh i I have my ways i just have been making sure to pump or or when we go on tour then i drink (laughs) yeah party (laughs) time so that's been how it's going and then while I'm at home, I try not to if she's um, eating, but she's she's breastfeeding less and less. So I'm kind of like we're finally kind of moving on. And I don't know. I, I, I've, I'm sure people will have opinions on this, but, you know, don't don't listen to other people. Everybody, you know, your baby and your family best. And she's also got a big ass head. So I kind of think oh she's gosh. like really advanced. <laughs> I'm like, Her brain she, must I'm just be saying, huge. I feel like for a seven month old, her head is like the size of a two-year-old so like (laughs) maybe her stomach and eating habits are also higher up than just a seven-month-old you know what i mean i think she's 95 percentile head and 20 percent height so i'm like that is proportionally (laughs) she looks like i couldn't even i couldn't even like her head alone is mr incredible and the rest of her (laughs) is just like a little stick (laughs) oh Um, i well so i'm sorry that you feel like you're you're having a a tinge of heartbreak or it is, it is it's like a pang you know every now and then when i think about it but 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 it's okay but thank you that's um that's i don't of, i can't relate but I'm, i couldn't relate until literally this week and i was like what the hell is going on with me i never I thought like, this was something that would bother me or like hit me i mean i've heard i've heard that it's a pretty common experience but i still don't know the i as someone who is very sentimental and very nostalgic i could equate it to like oh like this experience isn't going to be an experience anymore and it's just going to yes. be part of my past. So I can understand it that way, but as in a way of like a parent child relationship, that's I a don't big get part it. of it. And I think also there's a little bit of guilt, which I'm trying really hard to un- unlearn. And I think that part is heavily influenced by like rest is best, you know, that nonsense, which oh. fed is best. And we're all going to say it. Okay. Um, however you f- choose to feed your baby or, have to feed your baby whatever uh it's nobody else's business but um yeah i feel like uh i feel like it it can get kind of controversial and i don't and so there is a weird guilt like maybe i messed it up maybe messed it up it wasn't working whatever but um i think i'm trying to get past that but then i realized i think it's i'm just sad because it's like a chapter that's closing and i'm like you i'm very sentimental and like 
attached to things. So what's the chapter that now gets to open up, though? Oh, that's a nice way to look at it. Well, today she ate applesauce for the first time. <laughs> God, I fucking love applesauce. Her and I can finally bond. See, oh, that's the new milestone. That's it. <laughs> that's the new milestone. When I was uh, in college, I used to, well, this doesn't, this isn't great, but Tell I don't us. care. Well, my go-to snack when I was in college is I would just have a jar of applesauce and a straw and just drink it. <laughs> like, so good. You know what I hate? Huh? That story. <laughs> Actually, it's you. Uh, <laughs> no, I hate those squeeze pouches only because, only because, hear me out, everybody. I already know what you're going to say. What? Oh, because they're bullshit. <laughs> because you get, there's no, you get like a slurp and that's it. You get it. a slurp. It's 50 calories of applesauce. I'm like, who wants that? I want an entire jar. Thank you. Also, I, I know this is disgusting and I'm going to lose a lot of personal fans street over this. cred <laughs> well here's it's really i know it sounds gross i know it sounds gross but people can i'm getting my box knock me all they want a personal favorite i guess what other people would call like a drunk food combo but i've never been drunk it's just like a college food combo just don't you don't even have to try it but i'm pro just trust me it's not as gross as it seems is chicken nuggets with applesauce oh i don't think that sounds gross at all Oh, really? Okay. I, I've seen no. a lot of disgusted people see me like... I was like, like really freaked out what you were going to say. I was... The reaction I've gotten from some people warrants me feeling nervous to announce this I think to like I'm not into that really, but I also, A, don't eat meat, and B, I don't like fruit with my like savory food. So I, I think... usually don't either, but it's so good. My ex used to do it. And I would she eat was like, that though. Like it... It's so good. I, can't, I really can't eat chicken nuggets. Like I'm talking like the freezer microwavable yeah. chicken nuggets. I can't eat them without applesauce. Well, I eat the vegetarian ones. I bet I could try that now that I have applesauce on hand. I, I feel like I wouldn't hate that, Em. See, once Leona can also eat chicken nuggets, her and I are about to go fucking oh crazy. Oh, my gosh. Party time. I'm going to teach her all about the Duncan. Oh, she's going to have a good time. Party time. Uh, anyway, I'm sorry you're going through some sad things, oh, but also think you. about all of the chicken nuggets she's about to be able to dip in applesauce. <laughs> I don't want to think about that. <laughs> if you care about your child's happiness you're about to be so excited for this time in her life i'm just saying it's about to be an awakening thrilled for you mostly but also for her Funkalem and leona are gonna go to town on some <laughs> chicken so nuggets cute. oh question i don't know if this is controversial do you plan on your baby being vegetarian um i don't plan on um feeding her meat so yeah probably <laughs> Oh, okay. Damn, because I was going to give her the dinosaur-shaped ones. I think I'm going to just... Well, but now they make all the vegetarian ones in real fun shapes, too. And oh. personally, I really like them, and Blaze and I eat them, and he's not vegetarian. So I feel like that could be the way to go. Like, we just don't even tell her they're not, quote-unquote, normal chicken nuggets. They're... But, um, yeah, I don't think I'm going to... Yeah, maybe that is controversial. I haven't gotten into this part, this chapter of parenthood yet. And I'm, I feel like everything's <laughs> controversial. Like everything's a landmine. Um, I feel like so, you can't do anything right. So you might no. as well say whatever the fuck you, you want. Might as well just feed them <laughs> dino chicken nuggets all the time. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't know yet. So I, I, my gut is like probably not at home, but I feel like I'm not going to be super strict if she grows up and wants to eat meat. Like that's not my place, you know? That's One like day. Choice. Years and years and years choice, down the road. I guess. Well, Funkalem will get the okay first. But if I happen to only have chicken-based nuggets in my freezer and she's having a sleepover at my place, where I don't know. If it depends on how you feel about it. But 
if she asked me for chicken nuggets, I'm not going to deny her unless mommy uh, has something I, to say. I think I fully support that plan. So you get okay. the A-OK from me. Ah, you hear that, Leona? Okay. <laughs> so cut this episode out one day and be like, Mom, <laughs> you promised. By now, you've probably heard about Burrow, a new kind of furniture company known for timeless designs, durable materials, and details that make life in your space easier. Last year, they brought their expertise outside with the launch of their outdoor line, which I love, and now they're adding more must-have pieces to the collection. For example, Dunes offers seating, dining, and lounger options, while Scout is a new folding chair upholstered in a chic woven fabric. And I think I'm going to get two of those for the balcony. Blaze and I love to sit out there in the evenings after Leona goes to bed. And I love the idea of having a good-looking but also extremely useful and comfy place to sit outside. Made of durable materials made for all seasons, weather-resistant teak, stainless alloy, and quick-dry stain-resistant cushions with easy assembly and disassembly this is the perfect thing for your outdoor space they also just launched a new standing desk co-pilot with adjustable height a durable scratch resistant body with built-in storage to make working at home easier than ever i'm in the market for a new desk um so this is definitely going to be my next bookmark and of course there's burrow's legacy seating collections like the nomad and range now available in new colors and m and i that's like the only piece of furniture i think we actually share is our burrow sofa in the podcast department love that thing and that's why we drink listeners can get 15 percent off their first order at burrow.com slash drink that's burrow b-u-r-r-o-w dot com slash drink for 15 percent off burrow.com slash drink did you know fast growing trees is the biggest online nursery in the u.s with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the u.s you can grow lemon avocado olive or fig trees inside your home on top of the wide variety of house plants available fast growing trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days and along with their 30-day alive and thrive guarantee they offer free plant consultation forever i am so thrilled that we are working with fast growing trees i spent about an hour and a half on the website trying to decide what i would love to order from their products they have so many options and you can actually filter it by zones by growing zones to make sure you know it'll work in your garden um they have everything from massive privacy shrubs and trees to very very specific flowers i actually ended up ordering a lilac shrub for my garden i recently discovered how much i love the smell of lilac and so I I thought, you know what? Perfect chance. Why don't I get some lilac growing in my yard? I think it's going to smell beautiful. And I also got my mom a little lavender plant as an Easter present. Right now, they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code DRINK at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code DRINK at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com code DRINK. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Okay, so... Um, let me tell you about this. The, I have a quick story today. Um, and I say quick because like, it's not even a full page of notes. Um, but I have told people that there's not a lot of information on this topic and that doesn't seem to stop listeners from requesting oh, it. Okay. Um, people seem to be very relentless on this, so I'm just going to do it. And if it's not as much information as you were hoping for, just know I tried my hardest. We know, so, we believe you, we trust you. And I feel like maybe you've heard of this before, Ooh. Um, just because I feel like we get tagged in it a bunch. Oh. If not, then that's very exciting because it's certainly worth the banter, I think. Okay, what is it? This is a cryptid based in northern Pennsylvania, and uh, it is called the squonk. I have no idea what that is. Okay, 
No clue. Excellent. Squonk? <laughs> Squonk. Are you kidding me? So um, people really want me to talk about it, and it's been <laughs> happening for like a year or two now. What? I've heard your cries, and I have been denying your cries because every time I've tried, there's only like two links unless you like really open your mind on how you're going to research for this so um (laughs) your mind what take a mushroom i felt like i was a crazed person typing anything i could into google to get any information um so here we go here is the squonk so the this cryptid lives in northern pennsylvania in the hemlock forests it seems to be exclusively in this area um, and it is called the homeliest creature in the world. Oh dear. By uh, one person, it's also considered, quote, the most morbid of beasts. Has anyone seen a chupacabra? I feel like that's quite a statement to say it's the homeliest creature <laughs> if you've seen a chupacabra, but. That's fair. By the way, do you follow the cat on TikTok who's named Chupacabra or something? <gasps> yes. Oh my gosh. What so a creepy cat, but I love him. Looks like a freaking, if that thing, no wonder people see sightings. Like if that thing ran across my driveway in the middle of the night, I'd be I'd like, feel like, it's that's real. A chupacabra. <laughs> uh, yeah, like cat's name's like Chupi or something, but yeah. also looks like a straight up vampire like bat. Like really it's wild. The craziest cat, but I also <laughs> love him. Oh, I, has um, like a following of loyal fans, yes. I'm the leader. I'm obsessed <laughs> with that cat. Um, Chupi, if you ever hear this, meow. Um, okay, moving on. Oh, that was nice of you. So, in here's here's back to the squonk, the other homeliest creature. <laughs> uh, so, in 1910, that is the earliest written account of the squonk, and okay. it was in a book called "Fearsome Creatures of the Lumber Woods." Ooh. And this book was written by William T. Cox, and he claims that the squonks uh, have been exclusively part of Pennsylvania since the late 1800s more like the early or late night late 1800s more like the early 1900s okay um so they used to be common in other areas mainly desert areas um but when their regions became more uh swampy the squonks had to adapt to the water nearby oh so the squonks would go through the marshes and over time because they were now having to kind of learn how to wade in the water over time they evolved webbed toes but (laughs) Only on its left side. Oh, so it like I, propels by its left leg. So here, so here's a quote: <laughs> On entering the water, it could only swim in circles and never got back to shore. <laughs> this sounds like a Dr. Seuss book. Are we sure? <laughs> like the squonk, he can only swim in circles. This really sounds like a Dr. Seuss rhyme. Well, I'll show you a picture in a second of what the squonk looks like. Oh, thank God! And then you tell me from there. So, and then here's the rest of the quote. Because it kept swimming in circles and couldn't get back to shore. Fossil bones dredged from these lake bottoms reveal that thousands perished of starvation in this manner. So oh, they well, couldn't. That's fucking sad. Couldn't get out of the water. That's horrible. So, uh, I want to make it clear early on that the cryptid that we're discussing is probably, I would say, 99.99% a silly urban legend that has just kind of taken the the area by storm this is forget chicken nuggets this is the most controversial thing you've ever said on this i know but like let me just as i explain it i i want you to tell me if you think this is a legitimate creature or not i think it truly is just like a like the frogman the loveland frogman you know where it's like oh it's like a i love the frogman i wore my shirt last night one of our listeners (laughs) gave us a loveland frogman shirt well Um, i think the the squonk is like pennsylvania's 
Loveland Frogman. I get um, it. I get it. Or like a, or, you know, it's not Nessie, something that people... Oh, the Hodag. You know I mean? Something like that. The Hodag. Something like the Hodag. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Mm-hmm. You get it now. Okay. Uh... So I just I only say that because I don't want you to feel too bad that it's fossil bones no. are coming up from the lakes because of starvation. I needed to be brought back to reality. So thank you. Thank uh-huh. you. So that all came from the earliest written account, which was that book in 1910. Another book in 1939 called Fearsome Critters, which is kind of a fun play on the original book, Fearsome Creatures. Right, right. Uh, they say that the squonks originally came to Pennsylvania from the desert regions Um even though they were super swampy and everything, the thing that officially moved them out of these regions and into uh, Northern Pennsylvania is because during the timber industry boom, all of their, I guess, logging camps tore up their homes. And so they ended up kind of fleeing to Pennsylvania. This is sounding a lot like the Lorax. I'm just saying it. Hmm. It's not, but I I see where we're going. Not the dead fossilized animals. That part got a little heavy, but. One day I would love to cover a Dr. Seuss cryptid and you just have to guess which one it is. <laughs> I already know. It's the Lorex, probably. Or that terrifying cat wearing that big hat. <laughs> the cat in the hat. Yeah, you could have just said <laughs> that's, that. That's the one. That's the one. Yeah. You've heard of him. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you have a favorite Dr. Seuss book, by the way? I know a lot of his books have recently been canceled, but he does still have some winners. Some classics, I think. I, I actually have always liked Dr. Seuss just for the um, – I've always loved The Sneetches. Um, that's mm. a favorite of mine, which uh, I had on VHS tape as a kid. And then I love um, – I really like the Lorex, but it makes me very sad. Uh, what about you? Um, I always liked um... – I think my mom would say one of the first books I knew how to read was Go Dog Go. Oh. Um, and then what was the other one? One of them, actually, one of my favorites when I was a kid and blissfully unaware of things was one of those like really awful books that got canceled. The A to Z Zebra is the one that, or at least the one I know of, that has some pretty, pretty problematic imagery. Um, um, and there, some, what some was the pretty... One? it's not great uh which stinks too because like it's quite a good bop like if you're reading it i just love the rhyming i feel like he's one of the most excellent rhymers there is out there i think as a child i just only fell onto the the rhyming and that was it i think it was like the mulberry street one or something i don't remember if i ran the zoo maybe but yikes yeah one of one of those two i think it was the mulberry street one um i i remember liking it as a kid or i remember it just always being in my room so i assume i liked it as a kid but i don't remember what the story was about it and i um i also always like bartholomew and the ooblick because it oh, felt that's a good one too Barth- felt yeah. paranormal um oh it kind of did so i also want to point out um that i'm sorry but i already have covered a dr seuss cryptid on this show so. i know what you've done but you also covered a dr seuss true crime you know what that's fair. It was quite a crossover. You know what? Another true crime, Dr. Seuss, you could do is Are You My Mother? And it's like the <gasps> missing mother. I saw that yesterday at Target and I was like, oh, that one kind of bums me out too. I'm way too sensitive for children's that was, books. That was another one that I used to read a lot. And I remember that was the first book that ever made me cry because I was <gasps> like, he can't find his mommy. And I just lost my mind. So. I can't give that to me. I Honestly, I'll cry and it'll just cause more emotional damage than even her crying. It'll be like, why is my mom so emotionally unwell? Well, speaking of emotionally unwell, let's get back to these um, horrible, poor fossilized creatures, homely creatures who only evolved on one side of their body. <laughs> um, 
So this fearsome critter, the squonk, I'm going to start describing it and you tell me how you feel about the squonk. Okay. So the squonk is known to be shy and nervous and hide in plain sight, but they are most often seen in as soon as it's starting to get dark out. So right, or, right around like a dusk. Okay. This is apparently when they move the slowest. I don't know why that is or how that is, but they move the slowest as it's getting dark out. Uh So it's easier to find them. Um, And today, the squonk looks exactly as described since its first account, which is interesting because usually these creatures, their details change over time Mm -hmm. or people's testimonies of them change over time. But it is still exactly as is. And probably because the story is so stupid short, there aren't a lot of accounts. So (laughs) Emma's not having it with all you people who've suggested this. (laughs) I appreciate the passion that people have about the squonk. But I got to be honest, I am used to doing like hours upon hours of research each night and I feel like i cheated you for only but i feel like using like a nice couple little, sources a nice little break that's true especially because this is a humdinger this creature so <laughs> okay <laughs> and here's why so the description has not changed since the very beginning in 1910 and here is how the squonk is described its skin is too big for its body which sags everywhere oh and it's covered in hanging moles and warts oh and it knows it's ugly. Oh, well, and because sad. <laughs> and because of that, it is constantly heard crying. Oh my god! <laughs> they even avoid bodies of water so that they won't see their own reflection. Okay, this is getting a little dramatic. And the squonks reportedly are known for their infamous low crying. Do you know what which- I just thought? Sorry, what? I really, for a brief moment there, thought holy shit are you doing the hercene shifter again and like (laughs) this whole time you're talking about me i had like my blood ran cold and i was like am i supposed to be catching on to something here i was really nervous and then i was like i don't see how squonk i have said before in in private that you are so ugly you should cry about it but um, i know exactly but i have never thought that your skin was too big for your body so that part got me off okay got it Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah good do you avoid bodies of water to see to not see your own reflection? I mean, or? I avoid bodies of water because I don't have time to shower, which I feel like it goes in the same vein. So maybe. Fair enough. <laughs> so they are infamously known for their low voice when heard crying. And their crying has been described uh, in the same book as resembling the call of the cross-feathered snee. Now... Is that he, now you have you can't tell me that's not a Dr. Seuss book. Doesn't it all sound like the Dr. Seuss? It's about to sound so Dr. Seuss is gonna blow your mind. Because <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is a cross feathered snee? So I looked it up and there was only <laughs> one reference no. online. And it was from an online cryptid guide no. called called Be Prepared for the Alliteration here. Lenwood's Lexicon of Lumberwood's Lore. <laughs> Just like the same people in the same area kind of writing their own like little world. It's literally like Dr. Seuss's weird stepkid is just like (laughs) like trying to like steal all of his writing. So this is just canon within this group of authors. Like this isn't even like, oh, the snee, you know it. It's like, no, no, nobody does because it's just you three and your own canon you've created. I got to be honest. If somebody has the answer, I would love to know it because I this is a mystery I could not figure out for you because why would this guy writing about the squonk have mentioned the cross feathered snee 
when the only reference for it is in a completely different book about lore from the same area and the squonk wasn't even mentioned in it maybe he's trying to get on that person's good side like he's like i feel like this is a whole world i accidentally that's tripped what i'm into. saying like it's definitely like these authors are in some sort of scenario society society of um, cyclical <laughs> referencing each other or something so i sense this the only reference happened to be a guide uh <laughs> that mentioned a cross-feathered snee and it seemed as ridiculous as the Hang rest on, maybe of this. that's his pen name like maybe he literally wrote the other book i'm not even kidding honestly maybe it was him you know and he's just referencing like his past literary work I, it, but all, that's true. Like maybe he's like referring to his his own stuff. But it is weird that the squonk wasn't mentioned in the other book. Maybe but maybe that's like part of the the storyline here. Uh, yeah, I don't maybe know. Maybe he wrote one book to justify another. That's oh, a lot of time. That's a lot of time. But honestly, brava if that's what he did. Wow. Here's here's the wild part of the brava because if he wrote this whole book just to eventually justify the squonk. <laughs> That entire first book that he used pure, he made in this, in this conspiracy theory we've just created, mm -hmm. if he made this book just to use it later as evidence, he wrote like 20 pages of this book completely in alliterations. No, no. So I looked up what is the cross feathered snee because I, I can't do this mentally. I'm not prepared. Okay. <laughs> so, um, again, the squonks crying was, uh, it's said to resemble um, the sound of a cross-feathered sneeze. So I looked it up, and this is what Lenwood's lexicon of Lumberwood's lore had to say about <laughs> the cross-feathered sneeze. Um, I'm just going to read it to you. Oh, yeah. And then I'll give you my translation. So if your brain breaks, I've got a, a better It's already broken, so I'm glad to know. Here is the full description. This frost-bitten, feathered fowl flutters and flourishes on fashionably frigid and frozen furrows, oh for it is inclined to the inclement and inhospitable iciness in its immensity. The nondescript nests in natural nooks nearing the nadir of the negatives and is native to the northwest of nowhere and nearly is known is never noticed by nobody. Naturally, the nudnik is in need of a knoll nearly as non-symmetrical as knowable. After all, this asymmetric avian animal always is aware of any level land lying lengthwise in a linear layout. Unfortunately, unless it is an unbalanced underneath, it is unable to be upright as unluckily is unequal extremities eventually end in edgewise. Effectively, the entity is exceedingly exhausted and entirely exposed in this event. You are not kidding about this being... Theodore I think I just Seuss. took mushrooms. See, I told you earlier, that's what I thought was happening, and I feel like my theory is correct. Theodore Geisel, the Theodore, Teddy Geisel's, like, great cousin twice removed is writing this or something. I think the Lorax, like, gave me an option between the blue pill and the red pill, and I, I got cross-eyed. He literally so. was like, pick a sneed, and you were like, you mean a cross-feathered sneed? <laughs> <laughs> This is the most batch. I feel like I took mushrooms and I'm having a weird dream and I'm going to wake up and go, you'll never believe what I dreamt. Anyway, it's like you, you took drugs and then now in the middle of your drug trip, you are being held in a council where we tell you back all the bullshit you've created. <laughs> so, okay. After all of that weird alliteration, which by the way, again, if he only, if this happens to be 
his other book that he used a pen name for, and he only used it as evi- for evidentiary purposes for the squonk. Yeah. He wrote 20 pages like that just to one day justify <laughs> yeah. something about the squonk. So we're thinking maybe not. Maybe it was either a different <laughs> author or he had a really weird phase of his writing. <laughs> Called just tripping acid. The yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think it might be two different people. Cause if it was, can you imagine the first person who worked so hard to do all that alliteration just to be like called a, a ghost written version of another man? <laughs> Wait a second. That's my signature <laughs> style. <laughs> so, um, anyway, all of that translation when I was trying to describe the cross feathered sneeze to you, <laughs> um, I translated it for you. So you didn't have to, Think. I studied that stupid paragraph for so long trying to figure out what it meant. And this is what a cross like an AP English is. essay question, you know. Here's what it is. It's a snowbird with different sized legs. Wow. Um, wow. You really should have been on the <laughs> editing team for this, I think. Um, no offense, Guy Lenwood, but uh, I get it now. Now I follow yeah. A snowbird with different sized legs. So it likes to be on uneven land to match its legs so it doesn't get tired from balancing. That's really cute. That's precious. But also, why can't you just say that? Listen, he he's doing something. Anyway, um, people wanted the squonk and you accidentally got a whole thing about a totally different cryptid. What year was that book written? The, oh. the Lenwood's Lore. Sorry, I don't mean to put you on the spot. When was Lexicon of Lumberwoods lore? Oh, you Jesus. mean it didn't auto autofill in on Google? <laughs> <laughs> the best part is, so it's fearsomecritters.org. So maybe it was, um, and that book, Fearsome Critters, came out in 1939. So maybe this is like an, a digital version of it. Oh. Um, the best part is when you are looking for uh, the cross-feathered sneets on part four of many um so <laughs> but there's also every single page in there here let me just send you the the link i'm gonna send a, a text to i you. wanted to know what year because i was so worried i was offending someone who worked really really hard on this and i i'm not trying someone to do that. certainly did work really hard on this but i could not even but they're, it's part of it's part of the unnatural history museum uh but they're not I don't alive. know if they're alive or not. Okay. If they are, let me just say, like, you clearly worked very hard on this and good for you. But That's what I, I want to make very point. confused. Uh, yeah, I want to make that point that I'm not I, I feel bad. I'm not trying to, like, shame someone because um, if we if we could have written our entire book in uh, alliteration, we would have. It's just something probably we don't know how to do. Did you click on this? I did. And I'm. So I, every single one of them is different alliteration <sighs> passages. Okay, here's my favorite that I want you to cover. I'm going to b- make a bunch of Twitter accounts, like fake Twitter accounts, <laughs> and start tweeting that you need to do this one. It's called Old Spider Legs, comma, The Eight-Legged Horse. <laughs> and that's what I want you to cover next. Um, I mean, it's literally four lines, so you're going to have a hard time making it a story, but it's something you're going to need to do for me. <laughs> okay, I'm keeping this up. You know why I'm keeping this up? Because... What? We're going to have somebody to talk about during our little uh, bonus episode situation. Okay, sounds perfect. I like how there's another one at the very end called Ice Worms. And then in parentheses, it says again. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I forgot to mention this other thing. And since this is on a typewriter, I can't really erase. So I'm just going to add some more information is what I'm guessing. They're like, um, by the way, they're back. From the last time I wrote about this shit, they're... (laughs) 
They're from 18 pure. pages ago, I have some more information. <laughs> also, last thing I'm going to say is at the bottom of this fucking website, what is this? Fearsomecritters.org. It's literally a quote by Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ. I'm like, why is that the quote? <laughs> What's the quote? There's, uh, Don't worry about them. They are blind leaders. And when one blind man leads another, both fall in the ditch. Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ, <laughs> comma, Christianity. <laughs> In case you're wondering the source, it's Christianity. I'm telling you, this website is unstable. I've it's... never cared about anything as much as I care about this website. <laughs> I, I mean, like, I don't understand. I would love to meet the person who came up with any of this just to be like, I think you're me in 30 years. But I was like, going to say, time travel is real. Check. M has somehow <laughs> come back in time to read their own fucking work on this podcast. Parentheses, again. Again. <laughs> um, okay, so anyway, all of that to get back to the squonks. Okay, sorry, sorry everybody. Sorry, 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 sorry. Uh, we could really hypothesize on that as long as we wanted, but I don't think we can we'll do we it figure the, it out. We'll do it in our After Dark special. <laughs> our After Hours show. <laughs> so, um, okay, so all of that. Just to let you know that when the squonk cries because it knows how ugly it is, it sounds like the cross-feathered snee. Which, by the way, after looking up the cross-feathered snee, I learned nothing about what it sounds like. Yeah, so, I was going to say, how is that helpful at all? Apparently it sounds like a snowbird with different sized legs. So you <laughs> well, figure it out from there. Which sounds like a squonk. So really, it doesn't make <laughs> much fucking sense. Talk about cyclical. Like, that's so nonsensical. Okay. So, um, yeah. Okay. So the squonks, they cry about how ugly they are and they avoid having to look at themselves out of shame. Um, this is also where people start referring to the squonk as the most relatable cryptid. Um, <laughs> I mean, I get it. A lot of people on TikTok, if you were to type in squonk, any video you click on, just read the comments and you'll die laughing every time. Cause everyone is like, apparently I'm a squonk today. I found out that the cryptid <laughs> hunters need to be looking for me. Oh, I love that so much. Uh, so they can allegedly be tracked down um, by squonk hunters if there ever were one, uh, because in their trails and the tracks that they leave, they are always left wet with tears. Oh, I thought you were going to say the left one is webbed, but I guess they're left oh, with tears. Okay, see, that's that's how a scientist thinks. We're uh, not here for that today. I'm so, I'm so sorry. I looked at this too analytically. I get no it. detectives on this case. We're looking for some salty tears in the footprints. Just look for a puddle of tears. Um, it's at this point that I would like to mention that in its original book, a quote for the squonk was that its fearsome aspect is its contagious misery. <laughs> This is Which, so sad. By the way, relatable. <laughs> so <laughs> Contagious misery. So the only way you can find one is by following its trail of tears. Oh. Um, but fun fact, if you do find one and corner it, squonks are known to escape by literally dissolving into their own tears. Oh, my gosh. What a drama queen. So uh, the original author, William Cox, he gave squonks and their own taxonomy classification. <laughs> Can you do that? Just... Uh, I guess if you just say it enough and no one else is stopping you, yeah. Um, so the classification for a squonk is lacrima corpus dissolvens, which is <laughs> Latin for the words tear, body, and dissolve. Okay, now. All right, everybody. 
In fact, there are some substances that are, um, like, this is true, apparently. There are substances that are, quote, stable in solution, but cannot be isolated without catalyzing their own polymerization, aka just like squonks and how they dissolve into their own tears. There are some chemical substances that liquefy into themselves. So these are allegedly known as chemical squonks. It's the scientist's community. No, wait, really? That's what they tell me. Who? This man on Jesus Christ Nazareth website? <laughs> Jesus who? of Nazareth told me himself. <laughs> Comma, Christianity. Christianity. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Seuss told me in riddles, so. <laughs> this show is so stupid. <laughs> So in 2015, there was a guy named Hal Johnson, and he wrote an updated version of Fearsome Critters, or sorry, Fearsome Creatures, Mm -hmm. which was the 1910 one. And he better described the squonk, or more, he described the squonk in a way we hadn't seen before, where he basically um, decided that squonks are just gnarly looking pigs. Oh, okay. They have crooked yellow tusks. They are, they have four but sometimes three and a half legs. Oh. And I could, I don't know. And they have, quote, cauliflower ears covered in wax and hair. Oh my. So, what a real a looker. Ch- what a charmer, yeah. Um, and the only documented squonk capture is by a man named Jean Paul or JP Wentling. Okay. I think he actually happened to know Hal Johnson. So Hal Johnson in his book wrote about his friend JP Wentling um, catching a squonk. Um, and JP was able to catch a squonk by coaxing him into uh, coaxing it into his bag after making squonk sounds, which is the sound of a snowbird <laughs> with weird legs so. classically i mean we all know this obviously okay got it we're, we're so, learning so your motivation is um uh snowbird different size legs make the sound if you were to call a squonk out from behind a tree you know and if it has three and a half legs it also is kind of crooked like that bird so oh yeah so that actually makes sense maybe it does always have different size legs if you only have three and a half of them right i'm seeing sense in a similarity here uh, anyway, I don't know what the sound was, but I'm assuming my go-to would be a crying sound because if people know the squonk by its crying, then yeah, it said a low, right, a low pitched. Yeah, I would mm. just sound, <laughs> but that's not what a. Bird oh my god! Would sound I like. think I just heard a <laughs> fucking bird. What is it called? <laughs> Cross feathered sneeze. I think I just heard a feathery. Th- need somewhere in my house help saying it like that (laughs) um so jp coaxed him into the bag and as he was carrying the bag home he realized that the sound of crying had stopped and the bag got lighter all of a sudden oh oh no and he opened up the bag and found nothing left but a bubbling puddle of tears The classic quick getaway, if I am not mistaken. <laughs> That's the most Em and Christine getaway ever. I've dissolved into my own tears. Okay. Just cry until you don't exist anymore. Just so emo. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, why hasn't the squonk just been called the most emo animal there it is? It feels like you're doing Hersey and Shifter part two, and I'm I'm still not fully convinced you're not. So I'm uh, just it, on I'm, it. I gotta say, I'm not covering the anomaly, as it were, but <laughs> I sure wish I was. Um, so... You know what someone said to me recently? Because I was telling what? them about uh, America's Hercene Shifter. <laughs> and they were like, the fact that you're the only paranormal podcaster 
on a regular texting basis with a cryptid is so cool. And I was like, I was like, wait a minute. You could write your own fucking lexicon. I don't know why you have it, quite frankly. I could write it in my own words and then translate it into like, I could get help from the shifter oh, who could on. just like write the it in riddles. Write M's it in- encyclopedia of... The M encyclopedia. The M encyclopedia. Listen, we're gonna mm-hmm. ghostwrite this together, and it'll be bilingual because it'll be in my language and yours, certainly. Um, and it will just be in rhymes, so you have to figure it out on the way, like we do. God, we're gonna change um, the world, <laughs> whether or not we want to. So, mm-hmm. in case anybody needs to know, by the way, that was the only documented capture we have, but it was also written into one of the only few accounts. <laughs> we have of the squonk (laughs) and in case anybody needs to know the squonks do reproduce asexually with binary fission which Uh, is when i need to know when one body splits into two bodies and it just keeps replicating dissolving into itself so i wouldn't put it past it Mm. it does have a superpower that is being very overlooked right now right it like becomes liquid it's like the secret world of alex mack I love, ooh, vintage, love vintage uh, nod right there. Throwback. So f- fun fact, besides the fact that the squonk does reproduce, there is a touring performing arts troupe from Pittsburgh, which makes sense because they're within squonk territory. <laughs> um, so there's a performing arts troupe named uh, Squonk Opera. <laughs> Uh, and what? i th- i think they might just be called squonk online now but if you type in squonk opera you get all the same links and this is like one of the craziest touring performing arts groups i've seen um they like uh every few years they put out a different performance and then they like travel to many venues i think it was like over 250 venues they've been to the current one that they're doing is called Hand to Hand, and they have like the world's largest puppeteer hands, and what? they like they pull strings so all the fingers move differently, and then they <gasps> they I think they perform with these hands while there's also some like psychedelic music playing behind it. Um, Whoa, it's very odd. But if you look up Hand to Hand Squonk Opera, I don't think you'll find anything else besides what I'm talking um, about. Go to Squonk underscore official on Instagram because that will get you there. Also, <laughs> um, uh, were they seriously on America's Got Talent? Uh, probably. They are pretty big. Apparently, I was unaware of how big they were. Squonk. I wonder if that's why people keep like sending it, you to it. You know. Maybe I don't know, but apparently Squonk Opera is the thing, and they've been around for a long time too. Wow. So they, if you go on their Wikipedia, you can see a list of all of their previous shows, and like the one before Hand to Hand was like all about air, and like it was like it, they had like a whole show about air. I, it's very wild. Oh my gosh, this Squonk is Opera is really um, feeding up to its name. I, I think you can't be called Squonk Opera. <laughs> named after a cryptid so odd and not have some (laughs) weird shit in your group so good for them i mean i'm all about it for sure and then another fun fact is that squonks uh back in the 70s had a few songs written after them so this isn't a maybe it's a relatively new cryptid that people care about i mean it's i guess it's technically been around since 1910 but i don't even know if that book is real to be honest um the fearsome it's real to me 
Okay, fair enough. But uh, the only references I've seen for it have been in song lyrics from the 70s specifically. But they were also <laughs> like big groups like Steely Dan and Genesis had what? songs about the squonk. So there's one song from 1974 by Steely Dan and a song called Any Major Dude Will Tell You. And here's one of the lyrics. Okay. Have you ever seen a squonk's tears? Well, look at mine. The people on the street have all seen better times. Whoa. Okay. So that so we're really leaning into like rela- hashtag relatable with this creature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The whole point I think was just to compare the squonk to himself at in a in a time of crisis. So the emo. first so emo. the first lyric of the song is my favorite, and it's something I just want to start texting you for no reason. Oh no. I feel like he was either talking to the squonk in this lyric or to himself or maybe me talking to you. Oh, here we go. Um, here's the lyric. I never seen you look so bad, my funky one. <laughs> Ouch. God. <laughs> I've never seen you look so bad, my funky one. And I feel like I'm at least going to start calling you my funky one. I mean, Just I feel like if you principle. texted me that, I'd be like, yeah. You know me so well. <laughs> anyway, and then it just goes on to reference the squonks tears. So that's Steely Dan. <laughs> and then two years later in 1976, there was a song by Genesis literally called Squonk. What? And the entire song, all the lyrics are just about the perspective of JP catching a squonk. <laughs> So like the story of him catching the squonk and then he like the bag feels lighter and he looks in and it's disappeared into tears. And so that the whole story, which, by the way, I I now know that means my information is wrong somewhere because I thought that's the story of JP came from a book that was written in 2015. But if this song came out in the 70s. Oh, yeah. So something's off in my notes, but whatever. So. This is, uh, these are some of the lyrics from the song Squonk by Genesis. All the king's horses and all the king's men could never put a smile on that face. (laughs) 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 He's a sly one. He's a shy one. Wouldn't you be too? Stop your tears from falling. The trail they leave is very clear for all to see at night. Now listen here, listen to me. Don't you run away now. I am a friend. I'd really like to play with you. Making noises my little furry friend would make. I'll trick him, then I'll kick him into my sack. What? You better watch out. You better watch out. I've got you. I've got you. You'll never get away. Walking (gasps) home that night, the sack across my back, the sound of sobbing on my shoulder, when suddenly it stopped. I opened up the sack, all that I had, a pool of bubbles and tears, just a pool of tears, just a pool of tears. And all the while, in perfect time, your tears are falling on the ground. So, hmm, does this mean I could be a famous musician? Because, like, really? <laughs> That's the lyrics? Okay. Those are the lyrics. And it's like a six and a half minute long song. Holy shit. I, I listened to the whole thing and it was Was it a bop? Fine. Oh. It was fine, but I in the comments, every single person was like, this was the best song Genesis ever put oh, out. And so okay. I wonder if it's like you ha- like only real fans even know about that song. It's a deep I'm cut. A- yeah. Yeah. I yeah. see. Anyway, that is the story of the squonk to the best of my ability, folks. That was one of the wildest and most entertaining <laughs> uh, stories you've ever covered. I am beside myself. I don't... I. I'm glad it did not end with, wow, Christina, I can't believe you didn't catch on because part of me was convinced. (laughs) Honestly, I 
totally understand why you would think I was referring to you. <laughs> um, because everyone thinks the squonk is referring to them, yeah. to be fair. But also, it really does sound like it was just like a a bad hallucination out of a Dr. Seuss book. It sounds, <laughs> it sounds like wild. a dark version of Dr. Seuss. And if anyone ha- can solve the mystery for us on who the hell Lenwood is of Lenwood's lexicon of Lumber- Lumberwood's lore, I would love to know, oh. is he or is he not the same person who wrote these fearsome critters, fearsome creatures books? We got to know. And I'm going to um, save this because I, I mean, I cannot wait to talk about where to go. Here you go. Oh, by the way, you never looked at a picture of the squonk. Oh, no, I didn't. Just give him a quick googs. Okay. Squonk. Just so you know why he was crying. Oh, buddy. He's very sad. And he's very... I mean... Poor buddy. He looks looks as described. He looks so sad, this little squonk. Every picture of him is literally just tears pouring out of his eyes. Wait, and I'm getting like emotional. I need to not. If I... you're not real, then why do I feel this way? <laughs> I am not mentally stable enough to be looking at these photos. I'm sorry. I can't. Um, I, he, let's put it this way. It, you can take a guess at what he looks like and you can feel confident in it knowing that Christine has already fallen in love with him. So. I feel like I'm just upset and i need to take him home and give him a little bit of love you know okay you do that all right i'm gonna sit over here without that responsibility on my shoulders (laughs) well after the episode i'll tell you more about the bear behind bear behind what Uh, in the world that's one of the things in this lovely book by the way oh hey all right i'm excited and that's why we drink is sponsored by squarespace squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online With Squarespace, it's easy to create a beautiful website all on your terms. You don't want to miss Fluid Engine, a next-generation website design system from Squarespace with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. I don't know this for a fact, but it's my opinion that there is no easier way to build a website than Squarespace because of this drag-and-drop technology. It gets better every year, and it is just, you when you think it can't get any better and easier, it does. I've been using Squarespace <laughs> since 2017, um, and in that time, they have just proven themselves to be the best and easiest way to make a website. So anytime I make a website for any reason, that's where I go. When you're ready to get started, you can use one of Squarespace's professional website templates with designs for every category, and then you can customize it. You can customize the look, add new content, add features to fit your unique needs. It's just a great spot to have a landing page for you, for your business, for whatever it is you're trying to market or showcase. Squarespace is the best platform to use, in my opinion. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash drink to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Shopping for humans is hard, but shopping for your dog is easy thanks to Bark. Every month, they deliver toys and treats just for your pup because they deserve to be spoiled. At Bark, they send your dog a whole new collection of toys and treats made just for them every single month. Whether it's their fun plush toys from BarkBox or their ultra-tough toys from Super Chewer, they give your dog exactly what they want. And for a limited time, they'll double your first box for free. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com drink. That's right, you can sign up now at BarkBox.com drink for this exclusive offer. This ad is now over. Let's go back to petting our dogs. 
All right. So I am I have something very special for you today. Oh. And I hope that you appreciate it because it's probably the first and last time ever that I will remember a request you make and actually follow through with doing the story uh on an upcoming episode. Okay, wow. So 272 episodes. 272 episodes of requests. What could I have asked for this in is that time? The story. This is the information about hybristophilia. I didn't ask for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you what it is and okay. you're going to you're going to change your mind. Okay? The APA, uh, you know, the American Psychical, 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 uh, <laughs> Psychological Association definition of hybristophilia mm-hmm. is as follows. Noun, sexual interest in and attraction to those who commit crimes. <clears throat> in some cases, this may be directed toward people in prison for various types of criminal activities. Yeah, I did want this. You're totally Okay, right. good, good, good. Because I was this, like... This is when... This is the phenomenon mm. phenomena of people falling in love with like ted bundy and thinking he's hot and like the, the weird sexualization around serial killers and stuff 110 percent. Oui. okay so i'm so excited wow i really wish you could have told me earlier in the episode that that was what we were covering because my spirits needed it and now triple lifted i'm this so excited is a good one i'm gonna just go out and say it this is a good one this is a this is a wild trip that I went on here. Um, this episode really turned accidentally into, I think, one of my favorites we've done. Oh, that's fun. I feel like uh, I feel like uh, I just hope everyone agrees is what I'm going to say. But <laughs> who cares? <laughs> I love that I talked about breastfeeding in the early part. So if we ever recommend this one, people are going to be like, why is this the one that you think I should listen to? The um, wide gamut that we are able to cover every week is amazing. From A to Z zebra, you know what I We've mean? We've got range, range, and more range. Endless range. Okay. So here's a more detailed definition of hybristophilia from Wikipedia. Hybristophilia is a sexual interest in and attraction to those who commit crimes, a paraphilia or sexual disorder in mm. which sexual arousal, facilitation, and attainment of orgasm are responsive to and contingent upon being with a partner known to have committed a crime. Whoa. Yeah. And, and you know what? I feel like I asked for this. Well, for a few different a few different times, but this particularly reminds me of a couple episodes ago when we were talking about uh, the woman who was married to like the checkerboard chessboard guy. That's the one where you asked if I could cover it. Ah, because yep. I remember being like, "What is the deal? Like, what's what, going like, on? Are you okay? Should we like be paying I mean, attention to, to you for red flags?" Or? Is no. First of all, not okay. okay. Not okay. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I I feel like this will answer some questions. It's still kind of a widely misunderstood phenomenon or not misunderstood i wouldn't say that but it's it's a not fully understood phenomenon Mm. uh, if that makes sense yes um so according to a medium piece that i found by uh, a writer named bad bunny pubs quote it is not a clinically recognized mental illness within the icd-10 and hybristophilia predominantly affects women so that is notable because most of the examples we have are uh women kind of lusting after male interesting can i murderers can i guess 
Of course. Is it some sort of like a sense of being protected that like they like they know that this guy could like really do some damage if someone tried to hurt them and like if they cared about them like you know that doesn't really come up i don't think but that is an interesting i mean i know that's like i'm we're talking about this as if it's not like a really disgusting horrible topic but i'm trying to think like trying to get into the the mind of that person yeah yeah and like if this person has already proven time and time again that like they can't be touched physically then like if if you're with them or if they cared about you only then like you also couldn't be touched well i don't know if this counts as that but what it reminds me of is one of the theories that this is kind of an expression of masculinity maybe Mm. so you know outbursts of rage kind of an, an abusive angry um and what some might refer to as a masculine energy and some people theorize that maybe that's what people are attracted to Mm -hmm. the domination that kind of thing sure um so maybe maybe that would be part of that i assume like oh and and therefore they like me so i'm protected perhaps i don't know there i mean i would never be able to know until today so but that's a great theory so uh in pop culture the phenomenon is also known as bonnie and clyde syndrome because uh like bonnie was in love with clyde and why he's murdering people etc i see so some classic examples which you've already mentioned include the groupies of ted bundy uh that's a big one and i'm actually not going to go into detail on that today but the one i am going to go into detail on is richard ramirez and his groupies oh see that's even i don't know why that's more fascinating to me i think because with um Ted Bundy, I feel like he, one of his, I don't even want to call it like a, a power or a, 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 a pro to his personality that, that worked in his favor, at least was that he was charismatic and like charming. So I feel like he, it makes sense to me why some people, like I can justify in my head almost why they're getting swindled and forgetting the bad parts of him. But I feel like in my mind, Richard Ramirez is more like unhinged. And so, yeah. It, it, so I feel like it's it's even more fascinating to me of like he's not doing anything to make you I don't know. Some people really think Richard Ramirez is hot stuff. Like Oh, really? Yeah, I mean he was missing a bunch of teeth, so that part not so much, but once he got his teeth fixed or if he's closing his mouth, he's not a bad-looking dude. And I think people I, jumped aboard that train. Am I thinking of a different person that maybe is Charles Manson, but I feel like Richard Ramirez in interviews seemed like really frenetic or is, am I thinking of a different person? Well, he probably was. I don't know what his energy was. I guess I'm just thinking of like purely looks from photographs. So I'm not, I'm not sure, but yeah, it kind of doesn't uh, matter. Like it's literally anybody Gotcha. Anybody see, who has gotten to a certain point in their violence uh, and public notoriety seems to attract at least a few of these people. That's so weird. I did. I had no idea that certain things wouldn't wouldn't matter versus other things, huh? Yeah. Sorry, I don't mean to keep interrupting. You're you. I'm not just no, so no. jazzed. And it's the same thing 
that you said of it's a pretty short story. So feel like if you feel free to like ask questions if you have any. Um, And then the only other example I was going to say is Jeffrey Dahmer was the other one that tends to get quite a few or tended to get quite a few groupies. And most of us know that those guys have groupies, but uh, there are some more modern examples, which I think to me was more disturbing and huh. I don't know if that's just because like oh Ted Bundy like everyone already knows that I roll you know that people find him attractive whatever but some of the more recent examples include Chris Watts who murdered his wife Shanann <gasps> and his two daughters four-year-old Bella and three-year-old Celeste and that was episode 198 if you want information on that yeah he has fucking groupies and people in love with him who want to marry him etc oh yeah didn't he get married remarried in prison or something uh you know I don't know offhand um but it's entirely possible i feel like a weird amount of them do they do uh and then there's scott peterson who was convicted of the first degree murder of his pregnant wife lacey peterson Mm -hmm. and the second degree murder of their unborn son connor and those were episodes 242 and 243 and i don't know what it is about these two that are just more kind of impactful and i think it's because pulling them into a more like modern time period drives home the point that there are people who truly admire and lust after people like this who mm-hmm. it's not just like oh teenagers being quirky online and saying like ted mundy was cute it's like no this person we know murdered his smothered his two daughters and you're still attracted to him it's it's one of those things that we've covered before i don't well, I don't know if we've really covered it but we have discussed it before where certain stories even though it's unfair there is something in the human psyche that happens i think where like some stories feel less real because so much time can separate us from it yes yep but when which again is not fair because 300 years ago someone was suffering just as horribly as someone is today but um it just doesn't feel as real in some way and i think to know that there are people either our age or someone we know someone we could be eating dinner with or texting is someone who and people is able who to have been affected like by this who are alive so like yeah. shenan's family and like those two little kids who probably have playmates and fa- you know what i mean it's especially like, with social media and that those family members can accidentally run into people who think like hey that guy's super hot that's the thing that's the thing exactly Oof. that's exactly it um so it, it It just made me kind of ill. And the part about this, too, is like Chris Watts and Scott Peterson killed their wives. And like as much Mm -hmm. as Ted Bundy and Richard Ramirez, Jeffrey Dahmer are like the fucking scum of the earth. Why would you as a female partner be looking at this person being like, I want to marry you when he's very openly murdered his wife and children like it that that part is also baffling. It's like uh, you'd think that at least logically would Mm -hmm. (laughs) prevent you from taking that step of like hey why don't i reach out and meet up with you but alas uh it's it's still very much a thing so according to a youtube video by dr todd grande the warden of san quentin uh received over 30 phone calls of women interested in uh scott peterson within a day of him being incarcerated there (gasps) oh my god yeah i wonder what those people would do if they like came face to face with someone who was actually affected by things that scott peterson did you know like that sounds like a terribly exploitative dr phil episode that probably exists somewhere like yeah we're gonna bring out this person's family members you know yeah um yeah i wonder too and we i have some examples of like when shit goes wrong so Mm -hmm. we will definitely get there 
Um, there was another YouTube video I watched called True Crime Community on TikTok, dot, 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 yikes, by Sarah Hawkinson. <laughs> and she basically calls out like pretty cringe TikToks uh, that are like glorifying um, serial killers. And I know, I know not everyone's going to agree with us or me on this one. Um, I am not a fan of kind of turning serial killers into like home decor or yeah like funny I was gonna products. I'm, I'm glad you said that because I was wondering when I could insert that into this conversation of there's like a shirt that says like eat me like Dahmer and it's like what like are you kidding me yeah I, <laughs> or like I, it's to me so I don't even know the right word it just uh, feels tasteless it's so tasteless and so cruel and senseless like why would you do that if you even think for a minute in an empathetic way about someone else you would not find that to be funny but i mean maybe i'm just a a square i don't know i i think maybe i don't know if we're just like aging out i don't know i don't i don't want to like say like a whole generation things like that i just i i do feel sometimes like i'm like you know the wet blanket in the room by being like that's not very funny and i by the way i also am wildly aware of our position as two people who entertain by talking about true crime (laughs) and that's where it's hard yeah because i i've had people mention in front of me whether they knew i had a true crime podcast or not they've been like yeah like there's like a i really struggle listening to true crime podcasts because there really is a, a weird balance i can't totally get behind yep. the fact of telling and I stories it. at at family's expenses and i fully understand i mean i'm literally a, a true crime podcaster and reconcile with that every day of like oh like this is my job but i want to make sure i'm doing it respectfully and not disrespecting anybody but i i i know exactly what you're talking about about the the products I, that are like on etsy every now and then where it's like um i i there's, I can't think of any right now, but it's... There's a Jeffrey Dahmer, like, kitchen... It's a meme that goes around pretty regularly of, like, a kitchen decked out in Jeffrey Dahmer stuff, you know? Because it's like, oh, like, the dish towels say... You know, I don't know it off the top of my head, but, like... And whatever, I'm not gonna, you know, be, go in and yell at you or what, or judge you or whatever. But I, just at, from my perspective, I personally don't... I just don't get it (laughs) i don't get it either and i i I don't want i hope we don't sound hypocritical as we have a a true crime podcast but it if you happen to also have a true crime podcast or i've had a lot of people come up to me i don't know about you christine but i've had people say like oh we're starting our own true crime podcast if we can pass on any wisdom to you um it i don't know if we're the right people to do that but please make sure that whatever you do is respectful and if you are going to try to do it with levity like we do that's um, I, the part that's hard too. Yeah, that's the part that's hard. I like to think that we most of the jokes or humor come from things that do not have to do with the victims in our stories, or at least that's what we aim for. And if we're ever if we ever do anything wrong, always check us. We will always be open to criticism on that. But um, if you're thinking of doing that yourself or what type of content you might want to listen to, I'd always suggest the people who are trying their best to do this respectfully. So. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I, I would say most 
of the shows I listen to are trying to do that respectfully, uh, including myself. I definitely try and like you're not going to succeed every time. And so I am well aware there are probably times where I've maybe not done the most due diligence. I I mean, in recent years, at least I've really tried. So always feel free like to, you know, call us out or whatever, what have you. I think the most validating messages that I get are when like a couple of times Eva has forwarded emails to me that are from victims family members and they say thank you for spreading the word there you know uh that and that's not happened often because i can't i don't and we know. don't expect that either no not, of course yeah. not but you know and i i don't expect that most victims family or friends are like listening to this kind of thing but yeah. you know for those who are able to to sit through that and kind of discern who's it, it just felt very validating like okay at least some at least i'm not totally delusional that i'm like especially with missing persons cases trying to do something helpful and i'm not you know and so anyway i i know everybody who is listening is like yeah that's why we're here so i I know i know i I also i just we it's a it's just a weird sticky spot that this conversation puts us in that we should be able to discuss i mean we we're true crime podcasters and for us to not be able to talk about it would be really i don't know insincere or yeah insincere is a good way to put it and and i i do think back on some of our earlier episodes before i i don't know grew up and like i just i i still think about some things i said in early episodes where i'm like ooh, i'm not proud of that and uh, so i i hope everyday people know that we're trying to better ourselves and not be horrible people i like to think we're pretty solid people and on top of being as respectful as possible but i certainly turned this into a conversation about us by accident but i also felt like it was important to address so i'm sorry i totally intervened on your story christine no it was no 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 but that's exactly where i was going is i mean i i knew what we were gonna bring up because it's sort of like you know we find this a lot in our and i i don't want anyone who's like oh i thought that meme was kind of funny to feel like oh we're like get out you're a horrible person that's not what i'm saying at all it's just i think also being so deep in this content I think maybe 10 years ago I would have been like oh that's funny you know and not thought about it I really do um I think it's just being so deep in this and watching interviews and reading people's testimonials makes it so much harder for me to like and on top of that and on top of that having our own audience looking to us on how we're going to discuss it so it's from all angles I think I I like to think we are as hyper vigilant as we can be so and and you know there's also in my opinion a line between dark humor which I fully appreciate, which doesn't probably doesn't sound like I do, but dark humor and, you know, like, oh, this is actually pretty hurtful. Yes. Um, and so, you know, there's that line too, which again, is not something I can delineate right now, right here. When in um, doubt, uh, if you're looking at a meme or listening to content or trying to make your own content, maybe just always ask yourself every five seconds, would the victim's family be cool with this? <laughs> would, that's you know, what I always think of like, is, is, put yourself in the person's shoes that's at least i do the same thing like as far as um yeah how to determine if i'm like why or or even why i'm like kind of icked out by something mm-hmm. sometimes i'm like why why does this kind of rub me the wrong way and a lot of times it's that it's like i wouldn't want anyone affiliated with this crime to see this right um anyway so, we have totally rambled i apologize I know, christine but speech, it was important yada yada i get it i know i'm not stupid i know that probably a lot of you don't not a lot of you, but I'm sure some of you don't agree with me and that's totally fine. Um, 
that's why people have different interests and you know i've been called a square many times in my life so it wouldn't be the first time but anyway this isn't all going to be about that so let's get back on track um yeah, just I needed to do the psa before the PSA. we got into this it would have exactly. felt it would have felt some version like, of hypocritical disingenuous to, a little bit hypocritical yeah, yeah exactly no exactly. to talk about it and not put to not address the fact that we are also in this for boat, a living so. exactly mm-hmm. uh and you're right i do wrestle with that a lot so it's it's definitely worth mentioning um and if any story is going to bring it up it's probably this one so yeah. some of the examples uh that sarah and and sarah hawkinson who did this youtube video which is about tr- the true crime community on tiktok um makes a couple really good points about that line between uh dark humor and uh you know fetishizing serial killers basically which is really interesting and um i think if you watch the video, it's 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 worth watching. It's it's not very long, um, but she calls out these TikToks that are pretty cringe and some examples just to give you an idea of some of the stuff that's out there that people, I guess, are amused by. And if you're wondering, like, oh, my God, am I the one who's doing probably not? Some of this stuff is really extreme and fucked up. And like, I I'd like to think most of our listeners are on this side of things, but you never know. So some of the examples for are, are and, and if it if it. It does happen to be if we list something yeah. that you are, you know, maybe this is a learning opportunity to unpack something. I don't know. Yes. Oh, exactly. Respectfully. Exactly. It's a it's a learning moment for Respectfully, all maybe it's at least a moment to step back and consider things as Emma and I have learned many times over the past mm-hmm. five years to to step back and look at how we handle things or entertain ourselves. Um, So some examples she shows, there are a few point of view TikToks uh, that say things like this POV, you wake up and all you can do is try to hold your breath. And it's a video of somebody looking out of a bathtub (gasps) underwater and then they turn on the faucet and it's like, so it's like a simulation of someone getting murdered. Yeah. And it's sort of like point of view. You're in yeah. the bathtub looking out and I turn on the faucet. All you can do is hold your breath. Um, and like comments on some of the TikToks include, uh, I volunteer to be the next victim because <gasps> the person is like a good looking guy. And so that's kind of the whole uh-huh. shtick is, you know, uh, I'm, it's like a Dexter I, phenomenon. I'd give it all. You know? I'd sacrifice it all for this hot guy. Yeah, but it's yeah. really like you're volunteering to get murdered and not Yikes. thinking about the people who have been murdered this way. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. And so those, and she makes a good point. Like those are different too, because it's not like they're saying, oh, this specific serial killer with real victims is super sexy. You know, it's a little bit different. It's sort of like, but it, it's it, a removed gray space it's removed exactly so it's it's still i mean to me it's disturbing but whatever um here's an example of a comment uh that i thought was interesting on her youtube video and this is kind of i think gets to the bottom of why i feel icked out by some of this stuff so this user called gm commented imagine having a life ripped cruelly and painfully away from you and then having some people on tiktok either making fun of what happened or glorifying the one who killed you and i think it's like the glorifying the one who killed you part that just Mm -hmm. resonated with me because there are a lot of people it used to be tumblr now it's um twitter who are like uh ted bundy stands and just Mm -hmm. think he's so hot and it's it's almost like a quirky personality trait to have but i feel like you if you have that empathetic ability to just like think about what if this were your aunt who was killed or your sister or you know it it just seems like there's a lack of awareness awareness or at least like 
thinking introspection i don't know yeah yeah or empathy even just like thinking about not just the joke of it or not just the like quirkiness of it but like the people who might see this uh and i I, we mentioned this earlier but i wonder if that's because certain people like 10 buddy I I don't know about the, like the Scott Peterson um, or the Watts family situation, Mm -hmm. but like Ted Bundy does feel relatively removed. And so it's easy to ignore the storyline or think of it as more of a, a a fiction. It's, it's really easy to think of it as fiction. And so you can also because something that terrible shouldn't happen. So it's hard for a brain to process unless you've lived through that, that world. Absolutely. This is that this has really happened. And I think that that becomes difficult when it is the world of true crime. And you're like, well, you watch shows like Dexter and it's like, oh, well you're watching a fictional show, but then you watch Dateline and it's like, Mm -hmm. but this really happened. And you have to kind of find the nuance between, and again, like a lot of these people commenting are young and teenagers. And I'm sure I said, stupid i know we all did we We all all said stupid shit so i'm not trying to say like wow i'm so above this and i've never done this but like you know it's just something i think worth shedding a light on i think we're also as as we mentioned too i think we are our sensitivity to this is more heightened because we feel responsibility to be on the right side as best as we can so maybe we maybe the things you're listing, like only you and I will react to, but Hey, at least we're reacting. I think in the right way of like, Oh, like that's a little, a little too cringe. It's a little much. And honestly, hold on. Because I think even if you and I are reacting to these, um, it gets pretty, I'm just going to say batshit crazy. Some of this stuff gets out of control bonkers. And, and it becomes almost like just a fascinating psychological study almost of people of like what on earth is going on in their brain um so obviously ted bundy like you said oh and one one thing about ted bundy too is like a lot of the photos are black and white that alone removes Mm -hmm. it you know what i mean like that alone makes it feel like you're not really part of it and the danger is removed i feel like that adds a lot of um there's just a lot of nuance between that and like chris watts like you said yeah um so I'm going to focus on two serial killers today uh, and they're hybristophiliacs, which are people mm. who are uh, suffering from question mark this illness. Sure. Um, sure. So the main focus will be Richard Ramirez and um, that was episodes 217 and 218. And uh, Richard Ramirez is also known as the Night Stalker. It's uh, one of those stories that really has stuck with me. I feel like uh, some of them kind of end up blending together, but the Richard Ramirez one, for whatever reason, really got to me. Well, I was actually about to say, and I stopped myself, which this is a perfect opportunity to mention it. I was, my go-to thing that I was going to say was, oh yeah, I've always thought he was like maybe one of your favorite serial killers. (laughs) And then it's, and then it's a moment like that where you're like, the phrase favorite serial killer is implying that like, this is like a fun story to tell and totally negates all the horrible shit that actually happened. So absolutely. But so uh, what I meant to say is I feel like he's always been someone that you, you think before everyone else, but my even the phrasing there is no, like just be careful right. with your words and the youtuber that sarah hawkinson made a really good point too she caught herself because she said um well and she said well you guys know i love true crime and then she was like okay uh-huh. like the phrasing alone is rough like i don't love true crime it's like i but we all say that right like that's yeah we know what we mean but yeah you're right like the verbiage around it is is tough too so well yes. you can even extrapolate that just into like 
other big problems going on in the world right now where if you're saying like oh well you know what i mean and it's like okay but like either whether you whether or not you meant it this is how maybe you shouldn't phrase it anymore you know time times are changing i'm a big believer of language matters and i think Mm -hmm. um culturally socially language really really matters and Mm -hmm. i know i think it but it's true it's it's the truth i'm sorry yeah (laughs) it's the truth i would like i think my opinion is but language matters and so yeah exactly i think that's something to like catch ourselves on and like you said if we listen to our old episodes we're probably like oh yikes some of the stuff is probably i'm not. sure i'm sure if we ever even like when i make friends like and i'm later they're like oh well, i'll listen to some of your episodes and i'm like please please do not like and part of it is like it's weird for them to be able to listen back to a show of mine at all but like i know that i've grown a lot and whatever i don't even want to know what i've said in some of the early episodes but i'm already just so embarrassed so I'm like please <laughs> please don't i'm already embarrassed about this episode because i feel like people are going to be like god they're fucking annoying they i know so many talking. psas i'm sorry i know so i mean i feel like i should stop because you guys get it and if you don't then like you're not going to be convinced by another sentence out of my mouth but amen Okay, point being, Richard Ramirez, he had these groupies, and they would show up to his trial in hordes, and they swooned when he flirted with them from the stand. He wore these little sunglasses, and he would, like, flirt. So I know you're saying, like, he's, like, he, you don't see him necessarily as, like, a Romeo type, but... I must have been thinking about Charles Manson or someone then. I'm- well, he also had his own, the Manson girls, you know, so... Wild. It, there, who knows? I mean he's it doesn't matter what i think he looks like but point is some people thought he was very attractive uh the media even dubbed him death row romeo (gasps) so he really uh got it cooking um and there was one particular story that stuck out to me as kind of the intro into this whole phenomenon and this is from a youtube series called crime viral uh they Uh also wrote an article that had more details so this is a really cool source but they talked about uh, a woman named cynthia hayden and she was a juror on the richard ramirez case and i guess she started to fall in love with him as she was a juror on this case I know. And Ramirez would make eye contact and stare longingly at her during the trial. And basically what he was doing is realizing he had someone on his side and was trying Uh to manipulate her. I mean, obviously, like from a third party, we can obviously see that is what's going on. Um, So on Valentine's Day, she gifted him a cupcake with I love you iced on top of it. Uh, that is so beyond inappropriate so inappropriate right so thankfully she was dismissed um and he was ultimately sentenced to death despite her having been on this jury um but their relationship didn't stop there she repeatedly visited him in prison and even brought her parents to introduce them to him wow (laughs) wow that that got me um, according to a website called SinisterSeries.com, Cindy told Richard Ramirez that she had fallen deeply in love with him, and soon she was making TV appearances claiming he was innocent and that he had been possessed by the devil when he performed his crime, so it wasn't really his fault and he shouldn't be put to death. But at the same time, anytime she was questioned about what would happen if he got out, she said, I think he would do exactly what he did before. Like, mm. I have a job, you have a job. His job is killing people. It's what he was trained to do. Sorry, what? So, so hang on a second. So, yeah. 
she thinks that's his actual like this is what gets him through the day leave him alone like he needs this to be able to go to sleep at night it's monday i need a cup of coffee he's gonna go stab a few people yeah the the logic there i don't get especially because she said he's innocent and then said but anyway he needs to keep murdering people that's what he does although i don't i don't know that she was even saying he needs to keep doing it i think she was saying there's a reason he's in jail because uh-huh. if he gets out, he'll do this, but he shouldn't be put to death because it was the devil's fault. See, it's things like this where I also wonder, like, how harshly should I be judging these people? Because there's clearly a a mental disturbance somewhere. Where You'd like th- I'm right? like I'm like, am, am I even? Is it even okay for me to be judging them in my mind so intensely when there's clearly like something not right? To be like, critiquing that, yes, no, yeah. and I I totally get that too. Um, it's it's hard to say and especially because especially because a lot of these become almost a gray area of i don't know how to put it but some of them are really wild like this and some of them like are very aware that this is inappropriate and don't go on camera and don't talk about it and so you wonder like where's the line of mental illness where's the line of Mm -hmm. like is this something we should be treating is this something we should be addressing or should we just be vilifying it's it's so hard to say um but i do have some bad news for cynthia oh uh and i have some bad news for us which is that she was not the only one who had fallen in love with richard ramirez yeah in fact according to the san francisco chronicle during his 23 years on death row richard ramirez received bags upon bags of mail fan mail mostly from women Uh, whoa According to Crime Viral, one admirer who remains anonymous said of Ramirez, he is good looking and I loved his big hands. The thrill, I know, the thrill of danger of going up to a state penitentiary made it all worth it because to me it was like a dream come true to face one of the world's most feared men. And (gasps) then added, like my mom used to say, you can love someone, but you don't have to like them. Like, Girl, I don't think what? that's what mommy meant. <laughs> I don't think it is. See, that should put some fear in your heart as a new mom of like, what are you going to tell I Leota know. that she's just going to fucking roll with? I know. Wow. Like, okay. Wow, be careful. Language matters, right? Yikes. Okay. Oh my gosh. Wow. Can you repeat that? Can you repeat of, the... Of course. He is good looking and I loved his big hands. The thrill of danger of going up to a state penitentiary made it all worth it because to me it was like a dream come true to face one of the world's most feared men. Like my mom used to say, you can love someone but you don't have to like them. I feel like that's some type of, I mean, I am not the expert here, but I'm purely speculating that for her to have mentioned twice in that one, in that one statement that she loved the adrenaline rush of being near someone who was so scary I, I wonder if that's kind of my theory earlier of like, oh, but he wouldn't hurt me. Or I wonder if it was like some sort of empowerment thing of like, oh, I can I can look him in the eye and I okay. got away with it. You're touching on like four different theories of oh, what okay. this could be. And I it's very interesting because I think I'll, some of them do converge like that. OK, so, yeah, there's a list later of like possible reasons a psychologist thinks that this happens and, uh-huh. and you are really kind of like touching on a few of them which is super interesting i mean i have a psychology degree so yeah you and do. i use it like once every three years but i'm it's usually i'm pretty on top of it when i do um so also 
do you ever mention anything about men having this happen to them? Because I know there is significantly less female serial killers, but have any of them been pursued like Yes, uh, there oh, have been okay. a few. I don't really talk about it um, because it wasn't really there. There weren't many sources on it. But one of the TikToks that the YouTuber I mentioned earlier has um, is a TikTok that's called like the 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 hottest serial killers or something, and it like mm. goes through. And there was a woman in there, and I looked her up, and I guess she had men who were like trying to get with her while she was in prison so it definitely it definitely does happen um i don't think there is a bit i mean there's so few as many examples yeah Yeah. so i don't really focus on that but um i probably should look into it to see if it i mean it's it's probably such a small number i don't know how accurate it would be but i didn't know if we should like consider this like across the board for all people or just women it's definitely it's it's weird because it's or gay men like could there be could, too. That would be an interesting study in the future. Whether it, yeah. Yeah, how gender plays into it because you know, obviously we believe gender is a construct because it is. Uh but you know, it is weird how how this does happen in a power dynamic way of it's usually people who are identifying as women mm-hmm. kind of going after or lusting after yeah, men who've killed women. So it's like yeah, it feels like gender is certainly at play. So For sure. I, I wonder if there would be a proportional, in some way, amount of, of gay men. Or I don't know, because I would think like, oh, well, women are terrified of men. But I would imagine at the time of these serial killers, like gay men were also pretty terrified because L- LGBT issues were not <laughs> I like the same. Gay men were like, what the fuck? No. You know what I mean? Like, I like to think they were also like, what the fuck? But had a little logic, but you know. I'm trying I, to think in terms of like all 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 groups were relatively oppressed at the time. So I wonder if how any of them would feel facing or having the thrill of looking at a dangerous man and getting away with it. I don't know. Again, be, sorry for the ramble. You should probably go back to grad school and get your psych degree and really write a dissertation on this because nah okay <laughs> anyway next up we can just ponder over it and pontificate on our own without having a degree you know fair enough i i'm sorry for all the rambles you really just picked like such a chef's kiss of a <laughs> I conversation was like, oh this is such a short story and then i was like what am i talking about this is like a talker you know this is a good one um so Anyway, this admirer kind of gave this horrible little mental montage of why she loves Richard Ramirez. He's dangerous. Um, He has big hands, yada, yada. Uh, Even more disturbingly, hordes of women would send Ramirez, uh, who was, by the way, very public about his foot fetish, photos of their feet so that he could fantasize over them. Oh. So really playing into that. Mm Mm-hmm. The medium piece I mentioned earlier delves into two of Ramirez's most notorious fanatics. So we've already kind of gone over uh, the first example, who was uh, Cynthia Hayden, the juror. But even though she introduced her parents to him and all that, it was not a long-lasting relationship. He had more Mm. serious relationships with two other women. Yikes. Yeah. So the first is Doreen Loy, and the second is Christine Lee. So we're going to start with Doreen because chronologically she came first. So Doreen is a former journalist from Burbank, California. Hmm. Shout out. Who described herself as a Catholic virgin. (laughs) 
in one interview. Okay. She is best known, however, for being Richard Ramirez's wife. Oh. Oh. She learned about him after watching his arrest on television and wrote him 75 letters before he agreed to let her visit him in prison. Wow. And this is how she describes falling for him. Quote, This was a feeling that began from as long ago as the night before he was arrested and police broke into the television show I was watching to broadcast his picture. Looking back, I see it was a turning point for me. They show this mugshot in the middle of Dallas, and I saw something in his eyes, something that captivated me. It wasn't as if I knew him, but it was something in his eyes. Maybe the vulnerability? I don't really know. Okay, well, all I can think of is the fact that... um She's a Catholic nun who is certainly sinning in some way. <laughs> she's Okay, she's not a nun. She's a virgin. Oh, virgin, but... virgin, virgin. In my mind, this whole time she was a nun. I was oh, like, well, I that was... would be a Shondaland level <laughs> drama waiting to happen. All right. I was, I was like, why aren't we talking about that more? Okay, just a, just a Catholic virgin. Got it. Um, just that's a still Catholic not virgin. Still sinning as far as I'm concerned. But um, wow. <laughs> she's a nun. <laughs> I was like, I feel like we sh- that should be like a main character in the Richard Ramirez story. Um, <laughs> wow. I f- also, f- you can tell that she's really enamored with him to be using language like, oh, like the t- the cops broke my, the broke into yeah. my TV channel, so I had to, you know, watch them go through this whole it thing was, on TV. It was love at first sight. I saw something in his eyes. It's like, oh yikes, he was Oy. on your news channel as having killed a nine-year-old but okay yeah Yeah. i guess we love him now and around 1988 ramirez i guess was also at least playing along because he proposed and they tied the knot on october 3rd 1996 Hmm. okay wow wow that's all i got i know it's it's hard to even say anything productive at this point but at first she was a loud supporter of his even claiming she'd die by suicide if they executed him as planned but then Mm. in 2010 they kind of mysteriously parted ways uh and it was for unknown reasons but it's speculated there are a couple theories as to why this happened so it's speculated that they split due to this is kind of the main theory due to Ramirez's lack of empathy toward the murder and rape of nine-year-old May Lung. And part of the theory is that, or the theory is that she found out for sure that he did perpetrate this crime. Is that the right word? Perpetrate. Is that a word? Well, yeah, he's the, he was the perp perpetrator. Okay. Wow. I was like, perpetuate? Cyclical? Cyclical? I'm so confused. Okay. Uh, I feel he... like I, my own brain was trying to rem- get back together wow, to help that... you. I felt like I was saying something important. I was like, I don't want to say the wrong word. But yeah, I, the theory is that she either found out he had perpetrated this crime against a nine-year-old or he, or she brought it up and he didn't seem phased. So I feel like that conversation should have happened way before a wedding, but okay. Uh, especially because he proposed in 88 and they got married in 96. So right. they had a lot of time to talk a about A lot this. of time. She wrote him 75 letters. You think that would have been addressed. Um, another theory is that she found out he had 12 other girlfriends, which he did. So uh, either, <laughs> either way. I think that one's, pr- I'm going to put my money on that one because it feels more recent. And- it feels more shocking 
considering everyone else already knew about <laughs> the May like she, case. I feel like she went in after years knowing about a nine-year-old child getting right. brutally assaulted by him. And that was fine. See, that's what I was talking about with the the chessboard guy with, with his wife, where I was like, are you just actively doing everything you can to ignore the bad parts and that and then it's the like good parts are all yeah like are you just like really good at lying to yourself right. or do you like or how do you how do you justify, do you justify all these red it? flags yeah yeah so that's the thing either they think they had an argument or falling out or she couldn't get him to admit that he felt bad about the nine-year-old's murder or that she found out he had 12 girlfriends so Either I feel like that was more new information and probably the reason she left, which that's like, by the gut. way, if you only left because he cheated on you and not because of everything else, like your priorities, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what to do with your life, but maybe straighten them out. Maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe think about it. Maybe start journaling, you know? Yeah. Uh, there was a line in the crime viral video where she was like, who ever could have expected a serial killer to cheat on his wife? And it's like, very good point. Like, what do you expect? Yeah. It's like, he's a sociopathic serial killer and you're shocked that he cheated on you uh so how dare he um but so after richard ramirez and doreen divorced ramirez began talking to christine lee now christine was a young single mother of two who said that she liked him because he quote treated her right Hmm. so maybe a little insight um i found out more about christine on distractify's website she apparently was interviewed alongside another one of Richard Ramirez's other admirers. And I want to put it out here right now. The irony is not lost on me. The other admirer's name was Eva. So (laughs) (laughs) I found absolutely no way to address this without uh, really just head on covering the fact (laughs) that these two admirers interviewed together are named Christine and Eva. Two names that are, not that com- that are common, but not. I haven't really stumbled upon them together like I this. I feel like in you're the story. only Christine Eva duo I've ever heard of until right. this moment, especially in a true crime context. Exactly. So apparently, the two of them were discussing their infatuation with Richard Ramirez, and I want to point out, Eva at this point was 16 years old, a child. Wow. I don't feel even super comfortable that she was interviewed at all about this because she's a child, but okay. Um, In the interview, the two discussed their relationship with the Night Stalker. Eva claimed that she and Richard Ramirez exchanged poems initially for a school project. Girl, what? Okay. What? But first of all, if that's true, your teacher needs to sit down. And (laughs) second of all, is that a lie? Because it sounds like a lie. Yeah. I don't know. But apparently they started exchanging poetry for a school project, but she became infatuated with him, not because of his looks, but because he, quote, broke away from the system. Oh, boy. She's 16. That's the kind of thing I'm saying is like, she's 16. You can't, like, blame her for that, right? Like, get her away from the serial killer. I I feel like it's. I don't know. I always find myself in like a, a mixed bag situation where like, I, I don't want to blame someone who's underage and didn't know better, but also like, where are the parents? What is going on here? That's what I'm saying. Like put her in timeout for a minute, let her frontal lobe develop a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Like it's not there yet. All right. And like this man is clearly taking advantage, right? Yeah, definitely. And when I think about being 16, I think about how many stupid, how like very dumb. clearly stupid decisions I made. And if if any of them were like wrapped around love, forget it. So mm-hmm. like, 
I feel like she didn't stand a chance, especially if no one was being like, yo, let's let's maybe not mail this person anymore or this number. Or let's not text call this person anymore. Oh, yeah, exactly. So, you know, who knows what the actual origin story behind that was. Um, but I see red flags all around. As for Christine Lee, she was really tight-lipped about her relationship with Richard, so we don't know too much about her. It's actually extremely difficult. And this is what I was mentioning earlier of, like, some people recognize how unhinged this looks, and they do not want to be kind of in the public eye. Like, they know Mm -hmm. how bad it looks, and so it's kind of like... Huh. So, like, they... until they were going to get from the media. So, like, they were fine with it until they were getting called out? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So that's an interesting angle, too, because it's like, well, is that different? Is that the same thing? No, that's um, totally a different angle, because this whole time I've been telling myself, like, well, something must not. They, they don't must not know right. the difference, but they clearly know the difference enough to know that they'd be judged for it. Exactly. And some people really hide. And so we really don't know much at all about Christine, except that she said, like, he treated her right. And that's why she liked him. There was one interview that exists on YouTube um, where she said she was engaged to him. Uh but she would not admit if she loved him on air. And all we know is that when he died of cancer in prison in 2013, it was reported in that story that he and Christine were engaged. And that's pretty much all we know. Hmm. So now there's serial killer and sadist Philip Carl Jablonski. And this is a wild tale. Okay. So this fella was convicted of brutally murdering five women in California and Utah between 1978 and 1991. Mm-hmm. he was sentenced to only 12 years in prison don't even get me started on that and while he was in prison he put out an ad for quote lonely hearts prisoners okay yeah so wouldn't you know it he got a response from a woman named carol spadoni they became romantic pen pals and to spadoni's delight he seemed just as eager to pursue a relationship with her uh, as she did with him So apparently the fact that he was in prison for murdering his previous wife didn't faze her, which seems to be a running trend here. And according to allthatsinteresting.com, over the course of the next few years, Carol and Jablonski got to know each other. And in 1982, they tied the knot in San Quentin prison. But things sort of changed for Carol. Uh, The romance did not last for her because she decided to end their marriage uh, a little while in we're not really sure there's kind of an eight year gap where we don't know at what point she ended the relationship. But all we know is that she told a friend, she found Jablonski quote weird. <laughs> like you oh. already married the guy, but okay. <laughs> yeah. I feel like everyone's making calls way late into this. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you did not listen to your girlfriends at the slumber party who were like, uh, like we what were they saying after flags. what were they saying on the first few dinners after you told them you were seeing somebody like you didn't right that didn't stick out but I guess uh, seven years in she told a friend he was weird but she couldn't fully escape him because in 1990 she found out that Jablonski was about to be released for get this good behavior ha ha what I know uh, okay Big yikes. So she started to worry for her safety and for the safety of her mother, with whom she was living at the time. And meanwhile, I guess Jablonski, despite their breakup, had assumed that he would be living with Carol when he was out of prison. So he had all of his belongings sent to her home. So (laughs) 
immediately this makes me think more psychologically about why they fall for these men in general. And I feel like this just goes to prove that like, maybe it's because it's a thrill an unattainable thrill or like they're so yeah it's like even you said earlier that someone was sending like feet pictures to ramirez and i feel Mm -hmm. like that could somehow be some sort of like there's an arousal and like getting to be in control sexually with someone who can't overpower you because they're locked up and i feel like ding 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 you're hitting like the fifth thing i feel like you hit every (laughs) possible theory and just kind of combine them all in one because that's exactly one of the things is like oh there's this thrill of the danger but there's also a safety element of yeah it's it's um it's cautioned danger or it's what's cautious what my my mom always used to call herself a cautious risk taker (laughs) which was like she will she's fine with like uh a a safetyness a safety to her danger or a danger aspect to her safety in like in a way that is controlled and she feels like she's doing something fun and kooky but like at the end of the day she knows she's gonna be fine i think that's where it's sort of like that line of like oh it's a quirky thing for people to say on the internet versus like Oh, you're really, yeah, exactly. There's that and, and now this poor element. and this poor woman probably felt like, oh, he's always going to be locked up. I can like either play this facade or really let myself feel like I'm into him, knowing that I never have to truly face him anyway. Well, and you know, and, he was and now only, he's showing up at my house, but he was only locked up for twelve years, and so I feel like she technically would have known he wouldn't be there forever. But there was probably, at least subconsciously, a little bit of like oh, well, it's fine. He's in jail and not really thinking it through. Cause well, also, if, if he got out on good behavior, she probably felt like, oh, I have a certain amount of time to end things. That's true. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh, shit, like he thinks we are for sure in love. And even if I am currently in love, I didn't expect to ever have to. This is I, becoming I'm... too real. Yeah. The danger zone has really broadened itself all of a sudden. Yes, it did. And like, he, I mean, to be fair, he was in prison for like 10 years. So it's not... It's not like, oh, he got out after like two years and she was totally shook. It's sort of like, "Mm, yes, it is earlier. Uh, But so in any case, he assumed he would be living with his wife. She was like, uh, crap. I don't think he should be free and I don't feel safe. Mm -hmm. So he had all his stuff sent to her. But then Carol and her mother managed to convince a friend to move his items out before he got out of jail. So she was like, let's get all this shit out. Uh, And she even contacted his parole officer to let him know her concerns and say, we had this stuff sent out of my house. So the officer forbade Jablonski from visiting her home, which was in Burlingame, California, under any circumstances. Unfortunately, the following Mm. year, a tragedy struck when Jablonski disobeyed the orders from his parole officer and paid Carol a visit. Great. He stabbed and shot both Carol (gasps) and her 72-year-old mother, Ava Peterson, killing both of them. And he proceeded to sexually assault uh, her mother, Ava, after her (gasps) death. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of layers here as far as, like, getting out on good behavior. And Uh there's just a lot. A lot happening here, um, but Jablonski was ultimately found guilty of these two murders and at least three other additional murders and sentenced to death, uh, but he died in prison in December of 2019 at age 73. And 
those are just two like I had plans to kind of go over all the examples, but like this is as far as I could go because the notes would have been so, so, so long. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so freaking many. I could probably honestly am I could probably do an episode on every serial killer's groupies as its own episode. You know? Honestly, I would appreciate it. It's I feel like if twisted. you're ever if you ever need like a last minute topic or something or or maybe like it's not even last minute if you just want to cover it again i'm telling you with open arms i feel like it's such a good lesson to keep reminding ourselves of yes it's a really good point it's like the darker side i know it sounds so stupid but like the darker side of true crime of like the really kind of terrible like emotional damage you can do Mm -hmm. or yeah it's it's uh it's scary so i know those are the two very brief examples I shared, but I did want to go over the hysterophilia part, like just the actual mental illness part of it. Um, and I guess, oh, you know what? I do have a note here, Em, about men succumbing oh. to its effects. Here we go. Oh, Apparently I kept this in. I thought I deleted it. So it's worth noting that although it's predominantly women that are affected by hysterophilia, men can succumb to its effects too. And according to CNN, Susan Atkins, a member of the Manson family who got a life sentence for her role in the Sharon Tate La Bianca murders, married two different men in prison who were infatuated with her. Whoa. So I guess it's really can be both ways. I guess so. I mean, probably always. Maybe it's just wild that that, then that means instead of it just being like a, a women's issue, I don't know a women, a, if it's not exclusively a, a, a female experience, that means this is just like something that happens across humanity, which was wild. So it <laughs> so is. Like it's, it's just a thing that across can the af- board that can, can affect like people hook us in. Yeah. Affect us. And, uh, I'm going to go into actually like what possible reasons are that this affects not us but you know us as humans mm-hmm. um but first i wanted to make a in, make an interesting fun fact note which is that according to crime viral there is a letter writing organization called human rights uh that's w-r-i-t-e-s and it hooks up members with inmates on death row in the usa uh it was founded in 2000 and you can pay an annual membership subscription of 30 dollars and be basically connected to death row inmates and write letters to one another. Wow. So fun fact. Uh, apparently there are currently more than 1,500 members who use this service. And they offer also offer, this is interesting, counseling sessions for those who have befriended an, an inmate who is scheduled for execution. Whoa. Yeah. That's grim. But also. That is so grim uh the website reads typically your coordinator would be in touch with you several times before the date and would try to be available to you on the evening of an execution oh wow that's heavy it's heavy it's so grim it's so heavy um and in in an article on psychologytoday.com professor of forensic psychology katherine ramsland phd she goes over what she thinks are some of the reasons that women who have dated serial killers do so and I'm going to list them. And I, I feel like this is where we get into kind of some of the stuff that you have touched on. Mm. Um, so here we go. There's a list of, let's see, six different possible reasons that Dr. Ramsland believes could be reasons okay. for this uh, behavior. So they may believe they can change a man as cruel and powerful as a serial killer. So mm-hmm. that's one of the ultimate theories is like 
oh, I can, I can save change him. him. I can save yeah. him. The savior complex. Exactly. Number two, they see the little boy that the killer once was and seek to nurture him. So, oh, so like a Freudian situation there. Yes, precisely. Number three, they hope to share in the media spotlight or get a book or movie deal. So that's a very different oh. angle, I would say. Um, yeah, that one feels less like an actual infatuation and more like a personal gain. Completely. Exactly. I had the same thought. Number four, they believe they are dating the perfect boyfriend. And I think that goes more into like they're behind bars. They're manly or masculine, what have you, in a traditional sense, because they're angry and violent. <laughs> they're yeah. behind bars, so they're safe. Uh, the One of the examples that talked about this was like they don't have to cook or clean or you know get hit like they were in an abusive relationship in the past it's sort you of can like have the uh, the the romance without someone getting in the way exactly M. that's exactly mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. so number five is they are unable to find love in normal ways so maybe this is just i i don't know how else to put that except this is maybe just the only way they've been able to make a romantic connection with somebody and then finally, they they may seek relationships that cannot traditionally be consummated. So maybe... Like the Catholic Virgin. The Virgin, who you thought was a nun. <laughs> hey, you know. Maybe they're but not looking for sex. That's de Yeah, and that's maybe... Def that's a good twist of like, oh, I, for my convictions, I don't know if I want to have sex. Or maybe I'm just... I'm not someone who wants to have sex, and this is a good way to let them down easy they're like oh well, we couldn't have sex anyway right yeah you can have that relationship without even having to turn them down sexually i don't know which like i mean that's and by the way i don't think that's what asexual people no! should or do deal with of i'm just course saying not no i'm not just i don't want people to think that like that's no of what i amount not. asexuality to but i you know at the time if before other sexualities were being discussed i'm sure it was easier to be like oh well if only we could but you're behind bars and then you don't have to tell anyone that maybe you just weren't into that exactly so there's there's that theory of like well maybe some i mean and, and again this is like some people maybe like a couple people thought oh well or didn't even yeah. think but subconsciously were like oh well i won't wouldn't have to be physical with this person which i mean understandable if that's not something you're looking for maybe that was part of it uh, then there's this woman named Sheila Eisenberg. She's the author of Women Who Love Men Who Kill, mm. a book I probably want to read. Uh, will read, I think. Will read. <laughs> and she explained, quote, if the guy's behind bars, it's always exciting, adding, it's easier to get a date or get attention from serial killers than, say, Brad Pitt. Pitt mm -hmm. is going to ignore your letter. He's not going to boast about your letter, but this guy is. He's probably reading his letters and responding to them because it puffs him up and raises his status in his own eyes. So uh -huh. there's that element, too, of like, oh. An attainable celebrity. A, cele a celebrity who is attainable. Precisely. Yeah. Oh. oh. That was Gio's theory, I think. Because... Sorry. Juniper definitely just clawed Gio in the head. And uh, cool. Gio was not having it. Um Anyway, so those are the kind of theories that are floating around. Some of the other ones are what you said earlier of like, oh, uh, pff, people like that thrill of the bad boy. Um, without having to deal with the thrill. Without yeah. having to be in the violent way of them. Exactly. Um, 
And so, you know, there's nobody totally understands, but those are the theories. Uh, and so that's that's kind of it. Like, there's really not too much um, else that dis- explains it or gets to the bottom of it. There are just a lot of theories. Um, and I did want to add at the end here, this is my last bullet. Uh, if you need support in any way, because I feel like this was kind of... A heavier topic than I really intended at first. Um, you can call the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 1-800-656-4673 or visit rain with two ends.org uh, to chat online. And I just like to throw that out there whenever there's kind of a, a very anything about trauma, heavy, yeah. traumatic episode. Also, like this. what is the name again of the uh the K, like the mental oh hybristophilia so it's with an h-y h-y-b-r-i-s-t-o-p-h-i-l-i-a and and aphelia is is sort of a uh, considered a sexual disorder so hmm. essentially hybristophilia is the sexual disorder of being um attracted to people who commit violent crime just in case you're someone out there who <laughs> felt like that's related to you yeah I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah who knows? and again like who this knows? is clearly something that has a name has you know a lot of baggage uh traumatic and otherwise attached to yeah. it so i don't want anyone to feel like shamed by this episode by any means but yeah it's just a it's a fascinating topic i feel like i just scratched the surface and i feel like we went on all sorts of weird directions with it but um many a tangent and many a tangent by the way, like it sounds like most of this, like all else in the world, is uh, in caused by and also encouraged by toxic masculinity. I feel like that was fully the patriarchy there of like, oh, women are falling in love with serial killers because they don't want to deal with. <laughs> men in real life or because they wouldn't feel safe if they weren't locked up like what does that tell you that's Mm -hmm. a a scary concept in some ways so um that this was probably even though one of your darker topics what a good topic oh good i'm so glad you enjoyed it i i listen you request and i deliver once in a hundred years once every hundred times you request something Thank you. Bingo. Here we go. <laughs> it's it, you keep me on my toes. And I also um I I mean that really was I do feel like we went on a lot of tangents and all of them were kind of heavy, but and like defending s- ourselves. I felt a little like I don't want it to sound like we're just like not us making though. ourselves sound good or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you if you for some reason feel like we that it, we were not I don't know if you disagree with anything we said, we definitely want feedback. And, but I, it was such a weird fine line of like, we definitely need to mention it as true crime quote entertainers, but also like, hopefully we didn't make it too much about us, but we also wanted to make sure that, you know, we set our piece. So again, the line, it's always so hard to find that line, you know, yeah. to toe and- the line in the right way. And, uh, I readily admit that we don't always do it. So yeah, we're happy to be checked. So um, we just we want to be good people and do the right thing and be as respectful as that's possible. That's all so we want. We really do. That's all, that's all our intention. So <laughs> if really we ever just... stray from that, please like go into your concerns and judgments with that as like a, a bullet point. <laughs> At the very least, please know we're trying, even if it's misguided. Yes. Um, well done, Christine. I do hope you cover more stories like that eventually. Oh, of, like, good. Different I'm so glad. Cases. I mean. 
Because it's almost like the the aftermath of a I was going to say, it touches on so many different cases at once. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, good job. No, thank you. Well, yours was fun, too. This was kind of a banana grams episode. We talked earlier about range, 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 and we really went from the squonk (laughs) all the way to some really intense stuff. I think we went all the way from uh, Lenwood to theodore geisel seuss and we (laughs) and back again (laughs) and we ended up at the night stalker so you tell us how (laughs) wild of a ride this episode was and that's why we drink bp added more than 70 billion dollars to the u.s economy in 2022 investments like acquiring america's largest biogas producer archaea energy and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. <laughs>